Welcome to the podcast of top executive coach, Tony Mayo. This podcast is a conversation with one of Tony's clients, Ron Diamond, management consultant and author of Enterprise Performance Management Done Right, published by Wiley. And we're back! (laughs) (laughs) Traffic and weather on the one. Uh, well, it's been a few years since the last one. Wow. It has been. What have we done in the interim? Aged. Yeah. Aged. Yeah. And learned. <laughs> <laughs> Learn what it is to age. Yeah. yeah. Maybe looking back, that's what we'll think. Well, we're talking about sales today. Yes. Uh, particularly uh, complex corporate sales and team sales and channel sales. It's... Uh, people are often surprised when I, they, they say, well, who do you work with? I, well, I work with chief executives, owner operators of businesses and salespeople. A lot of people go, yeah. that's kind of an odd mix. I mean, you get the people who are master of the universe and uh, manage and run things. Then you have <laughs> salespeople. Yeah. Uh, but what I always respond is it's the same job. Their job is to get people to do things. Yeah. Uh, if you're managing, you're trying to get people to do things. And if you're sales, you're trying to get people to do things. Daniel Pink has a new book out called To Sell is Human. And we don't promote other people's books. <laughs> some other guy on that has <laughs> some other book that I've heard of. And it, he really does say that that uh, it's not a bad thing. It's not, you know There's such a negative connotation from yeah. the stereotypical glad-handing, back-slapping, used car sales guy. Uh, that it really is more about enrollment and you know a possibility creating a possibility and showing some value uh, to get to that, you know, future state. Yeah. And most people don't see it that way. Uh, unfortunately, some salespeople uh, act that way. Yeah. And uh, prospects have been sort of trained to treat anyone who seems to be selling like they're cheating. Yeah. The, I have a blog post. Uh, I forgot the title of it, but it, the opener is the worst thing about selling is the lying, mm-hmm. not me lying is to people lying to me because they figure I'm a salesperson. Yeah. It's okay to tell you I'm busy. I have no budget. I haven't got time. Yeah. It's just uh, it, people have been trained to protect themselves from salespeople. I notice uh, in working with a bunch of salespeople in my career that the good ones are the ones that I respect the most do tend to think a lot about um, tangible business value, ROI. They understand the workings of the P&L in the business, you know, the profit and loss statement in the business. They'll know what drives the business. And they have a business conversation. That usually works out really well, as opposed to the ones that will have, a, you know, a by rote feature functionality conversation or, uh, yeah. yeah, like that. Yes, yeah, something I noticed early on, and it really wasn't good news for me, I've done some technology sales, software sales, uh, and professional services like you. And it was never the person who knew the most about the technology that was the top salesperson. Yeah. In fact, almost an inverse relationship. And I was often the guy who was most knowledgeable technology (laughs) and not the top salesperson. Uh, And I think there's two reasons for it. One is the people who know a lot about the technology tend to think that's what matters. Mm -hmm. So they talk too much about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also, the, that doesn't leave enough bandwidth or attention to pay attention to the humans involved, why they would want to make this decision, why they would use some of their, uh, what's the word, 
so capital. Yeah, yeah, their internal capital to to make this decision, yeah. to, to take this risk. So as the salespeople understand that aspect of it is people are taking a risk with you. They're trading some of their security position to bring in your product. Yeah. But helping people more comfortable with that, that makes the sale more than this feature, that function, so on. So you so earlier you were talking about that as part of a process and that there is a sales is a process and that there are things that need to precede other things and there are stages and steps and ways of going. And you loan me this book. You can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, David Sandler, uh, the late, great David Sandler, he died just about the time I was learning his system. Probably a coincidence. <laughs> uh, back in the mid-1990s. Wow. Uh, but his key insight was that, what I said earlier, People have been trained to mistreat salespeople. If you act like the typical salesperson, you're not going to do very well. Yeah. So do the opposite. Instead of convincing people that they should buy your product, be skeptical as to why they would want your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. People aren't as trained to respond duplicitously to that. <laughs> <laughs> they start to give you honest answers when you say, gee, right. I'm surprised you'd want to go forward with this. Why, why is it you, you want uh, to get a proposal? Yeah. And they actually tell you the truth because yeah. you've asked an unusual question. But it's also useful to have genuine curiosity. Just, well, why'd you bring that up right now? Why is that important to you? How is this going to affect your future work? And to do it in a way where I don't know why you would want this. Could yeah. you explain it to me so I can help you? One time I learned this so dramatically, I was just getting a taste of the the Sandler system. I was making a sales call on someone who essentially had a job that I had had. I'm thinking, I know exactly what his problems are, why he would want to use me, what his concerns are. And as soon as you know, you're not listening. Right. And it just was painful. getting through the early part of the sales process and finally it, it fell apart. You know, they stopped yeah. communicating the, the classic, leaving lots of enthusiastic phone messages yeah. for a guy who doesn't call back. Yeah. And I really see it was because once I knew what he, what mattered to him, I couldn't listen anymore. And who wants to talk to somebody who's not listening? Well, it's interesting because you say system, sales system. And when I hear about, you know, sales system or process or scheme, I think it, of it like, yeah, well, in the, maybe the British sense of the word, I think yeah. of it like a, uh, a gimmick or, a, you know, you're doing something to me. But the way you're talking is it's more genuine. It's giving me some framework in order to be able to relate to somebody or to put yourself in their shoes is what it sounds like. Yeah, and that's why I see that this approach to sales is more appealing to people like you who are nice people, who want to be working with people that they care about and like and are doing their best for. Not the shark, the classic shark salesperson who's just trying to take advantage of people and move on to the next one. So many people say, oh, I don't want to be trained in sales. I could never do sales because I'm a good guy. Well, there's an approach that works for good guys because you're finding out what matters to them. Still sounds like, though, in my, and I did get exposed to the work a while ago through you, actually. You were my sales trainer a long time ago. Uh, um, That there are, the word I was going to use was tricks or tactics. There are things that you can do. And one of my favorites, and you got to tell the story, is about when you, got a purchase order in hand and you gave it back. You want to talk about that one? Sure. Yeah. In fact, that's something that I've told offhand so many times that I've uh, wrote it up in some detail. I'm going to be releasing it as a Kindle single in the next month or so. 
the title is The Night I Refused a Check for $250,000. <laughs> I won't tell that story right now. but You fool. <laughs> but a, uh, one of the, the sub-stories leading up to it that I, I tell in that Kindle single that'll be coming out soon is I was selling sales training to someone who had a small computer services company. He wanted his salesperson trained. But he brought in most of the business, which is typical in owner-operated businesses. And I said, if I don't train you, the money on her is going to be wasted. Mm. He said, no, I don't want to do this sales training. I'm doing fine. Train her. Here's the $1,500. And he gave me the check. And I didn't even touch it. I just said, I'm not going to take it. Because in three months or six months, when it doesn't work, because I'm going to tell her one thing. She's going to see you doing something else. And she's going to try to do what you're doing which you've already told me she can't do. So you're going to be mad at me. I don't want you mad at me for $1,500. And we went round and round and finally said, I promise I will not get upset with you. Take it, do your best. If it doesn't turn out, you've warned me. So I took it. <laughs> I did my best. She quit. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. <laughs> so that's why the reason it works for good guys. If you do the system yeah. with sincerity, and of course... That's the key to sales. Once you can fake sincerity, you've got it made. <laughs> but no, if you do that with sincerity out of genuinely wanting what's best for everybody involved, whatever the day-to-day -day outcomes are, you still have the relationship. So you know, life goes on and you can be happy. Yeah. yeah. You've even done that process with, as a, uh, an owner of a business with an investor. too. Right. And that's the main story in that in the, Kindle in the single. Kindle, that's, they that's won't give out. away the whole thing. Yeah. But I do it all the time. I do it as a coach when I'm working with people. They'll say, we'll discuss some issue. They say, yes, it's very clear. What I need to do is X. Yeah. And I'll say, why would you do that? And they say, well, we just discussed it. It's clear that is what it'll work. I said, yeah, but you kind of knew that's what you should have done before. You haven't done it. Why would you do it now? And they'll go through the reasons as yeah. well, because I don't want to disappoint this person because I've risked that, because I'm going to put it on my wall where everybody sees it. I go, oh, okay, well, I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. So it's, people want to be right. Yeah. You've heard the expression around coaching, people would rather be right than happy. Yeah. As long as I know why I'm unhappy, that's something. I may not be happy, but, I, but I'm right. Yeah. Uh, so I try to lead the conversation away so they can be right about things that are actually are in support of what they want and who they want to be. So when I get skeptical that they'll take the step they've designed, the appropriate next action, if I'm skeptical, they, they want to be right. So no, no, I will do it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to set up that. Like, well, if yeah. that, that could work. It, probably not willing to discuss it with your wife or to <laughs> tell your client, this is the new policy. Yeah. And they'll swallow and say, no, no, I'll do that, yeah. <laughs> Their voice goes up a half octave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, but it's all these things that will make it more likely. And part of wanting to be right and look good is we don't want to go back to people and say we didn't do what we said we would do. Yeah. So a big part of doing the things that are difficult or uncomfortable or unfamiliar is telling people you will do those, even if it's just a coach. It's funny a huge amount gets done by my clients the day before their appointment with me. Yeah. Just because they don't want to come back to me and say, no, I think we discussed for an hour and laid yeah. out in detail. Yeah, I didn't get around to it. Yeah. Who well, wants to be that guy? It's the same in our company on our uh, weekly pipe sales pipeline call. 
we take action knowing that that call is going to happen, sometimes right before the call, so that on the call we can say that we did the steps that we said we were going to do. And that's fine, so long as you're weekly, every week, taking action towards fulfilling what you said you were going to do. I think coming back to the way that you coach, I, that's what I love about you as a coach is that, you know, really what I hope for when I talk to you is advice. I just want you to tell me what the right thing is to do. And you never do that. You have a very clear distinction between advice and coaching. And in coaching, you lead me to find, to discover for myself what it is that either I said I was going to do, what I'm up to, what I believe in, what's important to me. And sometimes relentlessly, sometimes um, uh, frustratingly, but it's in relentless the compassion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ruthless compassion. Yeah. But in the end, I uh, you know feel a lot better about the insight that I think I got for myself that you helped me get to. So I, I really appreciate that. I think that's a great way of doing it. Yeah, that's what I, I do try to do. I have opinions. I've been in business for thirty years, but I try to label them. This is what I would do. If I were by some magic in your situation, yeah. but I don't know your situation. I don't really know what I would do anyway. So I have to caveat all that as an opinion or advice, but helping you see what you would do is much more powerful for a few reasons. First of all, it's your life. You've got better information about your life. So you could think it through better if you just had a structure that I try to provide to get there, but also that it's yours. Mm. You're more likely to do it and believe it. Just yeah. like with employees, if they participate in some change, they're more likely to follow through on it. Yeah. I get the best recommendation. Well, I have two favorites now. One of them just came in yesterday. The earlier one was from our friend Nancy Belmont. Uh, she's published it on uh, my webpage so I can use her name. She said, with Tony, I do my own best thinking. Wow, that's great. But I have another one that just came in, who the fellow whose partner doesn't understand why he's working with a coach. Since he doesn't know our business, he's not an expert in our industry. How can he tell you what to do? And he keeps saying, well, he doesn't tell me what to do. So what's he do? He says, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but finally he said it dawned on him and, he, and I asked him to write it up. He said, I've noticed that since I've been working with Tony for a few months, everything looks different to me. I see different things when I work in my office. Mm. And because the world occurs for me differently, I make different choices and take different actions. Wow. So he's not doing what I'm telling him to do. I just had him see things a bit differently. One thing, the way I describe the program that you've been in with me called Vitality Service Outstanding Performance, says, here's what really happens in this program, metaphorically. I grab you by the wrist. I have a flashlight in the other hand. We walk through your life saying, see that corner over there? What are you going to do about this stuff? <laughs> look at this closet. What about this closet? <laughs> She's just getting people to look at the parts of the left that they sort yeah. of skim over and don't take action on. You get us to come out of the closet, Tony. Yeah, that's saying. right. They're all out of the closet. That's happened too. I had one client do that. <laughs> well, that's why I love, the other thing I love about VSOP, A, the way that you lead it. B, the group of people together supporting each other is fantastic. And like you said earlier, you know, making a promise out loud to another person or being accountable to, especially a group of committed people like that, mm. really does give you some uh, uh, new accountability for delivering results that you didn't typically have before. Yeah, it's a lot of, well, pressure is not the right word. Pressure no. seems like a negative word. It's a structure for creating results. Mm. It's we talked about how if someone talks to me for half an hour, an hour about a topic, then commits to some action, they would feel silly not taking that action next time they talk to me. Yeah. Well, let's amp that up. Let's talk to me and seven or eight very busy, successful business people who give you their best insights on your next action. Yeah. And then you finish up by saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. 
who wants to walk into that room next month and say, eh, I didn't get around to it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. At least you're going to say, well, I, I gave it a try and here's what happens, which is, which is great too. Yeah. We did the thing we discussed and I got this surprising result. Now what? Yeah. And now you got a room full of people who have all the background and say, oh, since that happened, now we've learned this, let's move on. And that's another big part of what we use as a structure in our program and in my coaching is uh, the, looking at things as a breakdown instead of a problem. Mm-hmm. Anything that's surprising, unpredictable, not the way you wanted it to go can be, well, that's bad and wrong and there's something I ought to fix about myself, which is the normal way people deal with it. Or, oh, I just learned something. Yeah. This is information I can use. How can I integrate that? How, what conversation could I have to make use of that? How does this change my underlying assumptions? And it, all of it becomes useful stuff instead of things in the way. Yeah, you're not paralyzed. It's like, it's okay that it's this way and not paralyzed and wor- you know, focus on worry and, oh, if it had only been another way or all the negative stuff. Yeah, and the other thing we noticed, or I noticed when we developed this chart, I keep pointing to this invisible chart that both of us have seen <laughs> the viewers, the listeners have not. But on one side is how we deal with problems, yeah. which is very familiar stuff that you, some of which you just listed. The other side is how you deal with something you've just set as a breakdown. It's the same situation. You just put a different label on it. Mm. Just like, mm. I shouldn't diminish it. You consciously chose to put a different label on it because that's more powerful. And one of the differences between those two columns is the problems we tend to deal with in our heads or, or at least by ourselves. The breakdown we deal with in conversation. We're engaging with other people, mm. which is always more sourceful, more powerful. The other difference is we deal with problems by trying to repair the past where our power is zero. Mm. Whereas a breakdown, it's all about what's next. What's the future going to be? A capsule version of this is a situation that comes up all the time for managers and salespeople. You spoke to someone about an outcome that should be produced for the business or to advance to sale. They agree to do it by a certain time, by when it's important. The time arrives. Is, is that done? No, it's not. And the almost knee-jerk automatic response most people have who haven't been trained when they hear it's not done is why not why not where does why not get answered the past in the past where you can do nothing yeah so the employee thinks every time i run into this boss or the prospect thinks every time i run into the salesperson he's gonna start asking me stuff about fixing the past which i can't do so i don't want to go to that meeting mm-hmm. whereas if you respond to it's not done with what are you going to do next oh that's the future i can do that i can create something i can make a new promise i can go forward I'm not saying every time someone lets you down, you give them another shot. Right. But if you continually say to someone, this is what we agreed to do. Yes. Has it happened? No. What are you going to do now? If they're always saying it's not done, eventually they don't want to be there. You don't have to fire these people. They just, they leave. Mm. Uh, so moving the conversation from this past, this internal place to the future, interacting with other people, it's more fun and the results tend to get better too. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. More information is available at tonymayo.com. 
We appreciate your comments, suggestions for future topics, and most of all, stories on how you applied the coaching. Our email address is podcast at mayogenuine.com. This podcast is the property of executive coach Tony Mayo, all rights reserved worldwide. <laughs>